Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 199. Hooray! Yay. I don't feel like doing this. 199, I'm kind of bored of it now. Just stop here. Yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> reach. <laughs> should we say up front what we're planning on doing for the, the 200th? Or should we just let people be surprised next week or the week after whenever we actually get around to doing it i don't know what do you think we we could tell them we could tell them but then if it falls through um as well i guess our our intention is that we're going to play uh fiasco which is a really light role-playing game that's more it's barely even role-playing really it's just kind of like a kind of continue the story game kind of thing um and we're going to try and play that over Skype and record it as a podcast for the 200th episode. And if it goes yes. really poorly, there'll just be a regular episode for 200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, how come you never ever see episode, you know, podcasts like the final episodes where the guys go, yeah, welcome to the episode. Actually, you know what? We can't be asked for this. Done. See ya. And he just finishes. <laughs> Yeah, they always make like a big deal about ending the podcast. They never go like, well, we're done. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway. If and when we eventually decide to end this podcast, that will be the way we do it. I think so, yeah. Just can't be asked anymore. Uh, but yes, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, welcome. We are Glitch Free Gaming. We're a podcast where we talk about video games, board games, and all sorts of other games that we play during our uh, geeky lives that we have here. Um, I am one of the hosts. Mike Kieran is the other host, and that's me. that yes, that's you. And Paul is the uh, the omnipresent but not here other host. And he also makes us sound slightly better. He does, yes. But uh, yes, Paul is not here this week, um, but he will be with us next week. I am reliably informed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good because Fiasco <laughs> requires at least three people. So yes, <laughs> we'd really struggle if it's just the two of us trying to play it. It would be funny though. It would be funny. I'm sure, it's yes. doable. I bet people have played two-player versions of Fiasco before. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, do what we always do anyway, and we've got a few video games and a few board games to talk about this week, so let's get straight into it. Kieran, you have been playing Sea of Thieves. I have. So this only came out a couple of days ago now. Um, I didn't pay much money. I did pay any money for it, actually. I got it on Game Pass with their 14-day free trial thing. All right, yeah. Um, Which is... I recommend people play that game at the moment. Um, so I, I picked it up, played it a couple of times, played a couple of times solo, and then also I teamed up with a uh, friend of show, Nathan, and then also my girlfriend. So we had a little crew of three pirates going about. Um, I guess if people don't know, this, <laughs> this game is Rare's new game from uh, the dudes that brought you Banjo Kazooie, and yes, all the things in the Rare Replay collection. <laughs> uh, didn't they do Goldeneye at one point? They did Goldeneye. They had Viva Donkey Pinata, Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country. Yep. Uh, Perfect Dark. All the hits. Yes. Uh, Jeff Force Gemini. Um. So this is a new game. It's a 
multiplayer cooperative game where you team up with multiple other people to form a crew of pirates. You get your own pirate ship and then you get little quests to go out and get treasure basically. And then you come back, sell that treasure and use that money to buy other things and get better gear and stuff. But all the gear is cosmetic. So you're getting better stuff to make you, yourself look cooler, but that's kind of about it. Um, which is interesting, and part mm-hmm. of why I'm not sure I can really recommend the game just now. So, like, I guess to be more positive, start with, like, I've had a lot of fun with it so far. We, uh, in particular, playing it with friends. Like, when I played it solo, it was kind of dull. There wasn't, it didn't really feel super interesting. Um, but playing it with two other people and having a crew of three, like, we had a lot of fun just... You know the the ship that you get uh, when you have more than two people is big, big enough that you have to have multiple people doing stuff to be able to effectively run it. Right. Okay. So, like controlling ships, not like you know Assassin's Creed, uh, not you know, uh, Black Flag or something like that, where you, you know, basically control like a car in another game. It's, you know, one person is on the is you know steering it with the wheel, and while they're steering it with the wheel, like. Someone needs to be adjusting the sails so that they're catching wind correctly so that it goes faster. Someone needs to be down in the kind of the innards of the ship looking at the map and give and kind of shouting instructions and directions for where they should actually be going because you know, the there's no way for the guy that's using the uh the wheel to actually be able to know where he's going. Like there's no nothing on the HUD to tell you like you don't set like a waypoint or a marker or anything like that. So you need someone down there reading the map to let you know. Which is a cool idea. I quite like that. Um, and then there's also other little things as well. Like when the sails are down and you know effectively catching wind and making you go faster and stuff. Generally, a lot of the time at least, like they will block your vision if you're the one steering the ship. Mm-hmm. So you probably also need someone running about you know, up in the crow's nest or at the front of the ship or something like that, making sure you don't crash into rocks that you just physically cannot see. Um, so there's a bit of, like, trust going on there, which is pretty cool. Um, and that's probably, like, my favourite part of this game is, like, just messing about as a team and, like, running a ship is pretty fun. This kind of running back and forth hectically, being like, okay, well, there's three of us and there's way more than three things that need done, so... You know, I'm steering just now, but the waves, the you know, the wind, the water's pretty calm just now, so I don't really need to be on the wheel at all times. So I'll leave it going in this direction, and it'll be fine for a bit. And I can run off and help with the other bits that need done. But oh no, now we're going in circles for some reason. Oh shit! <laughs> um, and it's it's pretty fun. And then there's also like you can just drink a bunch of grog, and it gets you drunk. Right. You can play music. You have multiple instruments, um, and when you play music, uh, when multiple people play music, it syncs up, so you're all like playing a song together. Oh, okay. Which is really good. Um, and then if you play music while drunk, you miss a bunch of the notes, and it sounds terrible. <laughs> it's just a nice little touch. Like it's full of personality and loads of little things like that. It's really fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's also like all the ships are cool and then you can like land on different islands to do stuff so the main islands are like outposts and they have basically merchants and stuff like that and there's three or four i think it's three 
maybe four actually, different factions that will give you voyages to do. Right. And the voyages that you do are just like little quests. And everyone, you take the voyages back to your ship and everyone gets to vote on which one you're going to do because, you know, you're doing that as a crew. So everyone in the crew gets a say. So you vote on what you're going to do and you go do it. And these missions are... Early on, at least, I don't know if they get more complicated later, but early on, they're really basic. So... They're different for each faction, but the two factions that I've done stuff for, and I looked at what the ones for the third one were, like, one of the factions, their missions are to find buried treasure. So they'll give you a map and be like, go find this buried treasure. And then you have to find the island that's on that map. You sail to that island, and you look at the map, and the map will have, you know, a red cross on it somewhere. X marks the spot. You gotta find that, dig up the treasure take it back to your boat, then take it back and sell it to the guy that gave you the map. Uh-huh. And that's kind of it. I mean, sometimes there'll be other stuff there. There'll be, you know, the islands are kind of sometimes quite big and you can explore a bit and stuff and it's quite cool. Um, some of them have, like, monsters like skeletons. I think skeletons might actually be the only monsters. It's the only ones I've encountered, at least. <laughs> um, or, like, snakes and stuff that you can, that you have to kind of avoid and fight. Uh, basically just try getting your way. Uh, the other missions are like there's um, one faction's missions are all go fight skeletons, but you have to go fight named skeletons, so slightly harder skeletons and get their skull and bring them back to her. Right. And you get money for those. It's basically the same thing. And the third one is uh, you have to go and collect animals, so you get given a bunch of cages and you have to go to different islands and get whatever animal they said so if they say get me some chickens you'll go and you'll get some chickens um or some pigs or something like that and it's all fine it's just all really simple and it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of it like i feel like we've seen most most of the stuff there is to see in the couple of hours i played uh yesterday right okay which is worrying because you know this is like a full price game. Um, I, you know, I'm glad that I got it through Game Pass. This, you know, I figured I'd just pick it up in Game Pass and see how I liked it. And uh, if people don't know, Game Pass is Microsoft's subscription service where you pay, I think it's seven quid a month. Uh, right. Okay. Maybe seven ninety nine, and you get access to like a big bunch of games and the games that are on it change so they'll add more games and remove some games basically it's kind of Netflix for video games um, right but Microsoft's own games uh, all launch on Game Pass going forward starting with Sea of Thieves and they stay on there they said they will. They would, those ones won't get removed at any point right okay so like it seems like a smart thing to release this with Sea of Thieves, but I also feel like Sea of Thieves is not going to have the staying power to keep people, you know, locked into Game Pass. Like, I don't think I'm going to actually subscribe after my free trial's up. Right, okay. Because I don't see myself playing a massive amount more of this game. Because it's good, but it's not good enough that I... I'm going to play a lot more of it, you know? Like, it's something I'll play co-op with friends here and there, but I feel like most people are going to move on pretty quickly, so getting friends into it is going to be hard. 
Right. Yeah, no, that sounds... That makes sense, yeah. yeah. So, it's weird, because I kind of recommend it, because it is fun. Like, the core controls of it and combat of it, stuff's fine. Uh, the ship stuff is all really fun. You know, just having a bunch of friends and using it as, like, a big sandboxy thing where, you know, you just have a bunch of friends together and you just sail about and do random stuff is a cool idea, apart from the fact that the random stuff you do doesn't... There's not a lot of it. Um, for example, like, there's a bunch of, like, skeleton fortresses across the, the ocean. And right. this is they're just islands that are inhabited with skeletons and they've got forts and they've got cannons and stuff and they'll shoot your ship as you go past. And we're like, all right, we're going to go take one of these on. We're going to go deal with these skeletons and fuck them up. So we went and we were very careful. And we were, like, firing shots at where their cannons should be and stuff like that. And we're like, we can do this. We'll get this. It'll be fine. Um, but we realized that they weren't actually shooting at us. And we're like, all right, that's weird. Okay. So we landed. And after we landed, we got off, like, started working our way up uh, through this, like, fortress. And there was just no one there. Like, there was no enemies at all anywhere in this fortress. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, that's a bit of a disappointment then. Like, we thought we could just come here and... We just saw this as we were going about, and we thought we could just, you know, fuck up these skeletons. It'd be fun, but there was no skeletons. <laughs> right, fair enough. It's bizarre. Um, because there's so many things that I like about it. Um, like the art style is really nice. The water is the best looking water I've ever seen in a video game. Like it is. Remember how it felt when you first played like the first Bioshock game, and you thought, "Oh man, that water's damn cool." Yes. Like it's yeah. like it's like that. It's you know. Oh, okay. It's that feeling again. Like they did some really amazing tech stuff with the water in this game, and that's all really good. But like the core game of it doesn't seem like there's a lot there. There's not a lot of depth. Right. Okay. Because, um, like I said, the progression, like, there's no progression. You know, you get money and you use that money to buy cosmetics, and that's kind of it. So, it is a game that really you have to make your own fun in, which is kind of fine, but I feel like there's not enough. There's not enough um, things in the world to kind of focus you enough to, like, make fun in it. Like, it feels right. like you could be playing literally anything or sitting in just, like, a chat room or something because the core stuff that's there... Like, the sailing is really fun on its own, but it will not stay that way. Like, eventually you'll just be like, well, I know how to do it. Like, we got this. It's fine. I'm not going to crash into the rocks every time. Um, but then there's a lot of little things you can do. There's PvP stuff. So, like, when you start playing, you get dropped into a server with other players. Um, so we... You know... The first thing that happened to us is we spawned on an island and we instantly noticed there was other pirates on this island with us. So we're slightly worried that they might just come and kill us because you can just go kill each other. Right, okay. Um, And they were chasing after us as we got onto our boat and started like setting sail and we're like, oh fuck, they're going to just swim onto our boat and murder us. <laughs> and instead they like stood at the end of the dock and pulled out their uh, their instruments and started playing music. <laughs> and like one of the dudes just started shouting stuff through this his uh, microphone just being like hi good luck enjoy your journey and we're like 
okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we were like jumping up and down playing music for them as well. It's just a nice little moment. All right, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, and then you know, other times than that we encountered another pirate ship that started firing cannons at us, and we're like, well, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yes, because um, like your your ship can sink, but there's not really a lot of punishment for it. Like when your ship sinks, you just get another ship. It just kind of respawns. Right. Okay. A bit of a bummer. There's not. But the main punishment, I guess, is if you have treasure on that, um, on that ship, then right. the treasure won't respawn. Like it, it just floats in the water. So the people that blew up your ship can then take your treasure. Right. Okay. Um. So it's interesting. I'm going to play more of it. But I don't see myself playing a massive amount of it, and I don't foresee me staying subscribed to Game Pass because it's been interesting to use this as an excuse to kind of try out the Game Pass service because I've been interested in it already. Um, and not paying, you know, forty quid for Sea of Thieves was a good start for it. Yeah. Um. But so far, I'm not super impressed with it. Like the list of games, to be fair, I got it mainly to use on the PC. Um, and the list of games that are PC supported are very minimal at the moment. The, what, there's a lot of games on the Xbox One, uh, but then a lot of them are also ones I don't really care about that much. Yeah, so fair enough. The reason to really subscribe to Game Pass is for Microsoft's releases, but Microsoft's releases are, you know, few and far between, and not all of the previous ones that they've brought on Xbox One and PC so far are on Game Pass. Like none of the Forza games are on my uh, on Game Pass. Um, the Halo Wars games are on there, which is good. Those games are pretty decent. Um, Dead Rising Three is on there, that kind of stuff. Uh, but Sea of Thieves is like the first big thing that's on there, and right. The next one will be State of Decay Two, which comes out May, I think. Right. So, okay. Yeah. And then Crackdown Three later this year, if that actually comes out. Who knows? Probably not. Right, yeah. I don't have any faith in them actually releasing Crackdown <laughs> 3 at any point. It's been a long time. Yeah. But then also, presumably, Forza Horizon 4 will be on this. So if you want to pay, pay 7 quid a month for Forza Horizon 4 instead of buying outright, that's an option. So does that mean that the... Uh, oh, the... the Is it the David David Gage one? The being human? The, no. No, the one about the Android? Oh, that's PS4 now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's Sony, yeah. 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 Uh, Alright, okay. Yeah, Microsoft don't have a lot of exclusives. This was kind of the big interesting one that they've had, and it's kind of... Given how many years it's been since they announced Sea of Thieves and how excited I've been for it, it's kind of a bummer. Like, I'm enjoying it, but it's kind of... It's... Having played that beta and being like, man, this game will be really good, I can't wait to see it with all the content... And then the game coming out and being like, <laughs> that kind of that kind of was all the content, <laughs> and it's like, oh no, yeah, because yeah. um, I I seen what was coming out and it was because I I was like you, I was very excited for it, and then I thought, nah, it's <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's worth, obviously besides it's worth playing. It's yeah, I will, I will check it out at one point. I think. I think it's actually, it being on Game Pass is actually a really good thing for it because it's worth playing but it's not really worth paying the amount of money that they are charging for it and it's a game that you're only ever going to play co-op with friends 
So if you arrange to be like, I'm going to play this co-op with you, you know, this weekend, then you could pay seven ninety nine or seven quid for a month for Game Pass, and then you can play co-op for that. Right. And if you're going to play it more than you know, the one month or so, then you buy the game. I think Game Pass gives you a discount on games as well. Um, like if you buy a game that is on Game Pass, you get a bit of money off. Right. Okay. Um, so like that, you can go into full ownership that way. It's it's interesting. I I like the concept of it. I just don't think the content, the content of either Sea of Thieves or the other game, like the the number of games on Game Pass or the quality of the games on Game Pass is good enough to justify either of them. Right. Yeah. But yeah, Sea of Thieves. Um, I've been playing on PC. It's it's good. Maybe don't buy it. Maybe Game Pass it. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Mike, you've been playing yes. some Slayerway Camp. I have, yes. Yeah. So this is... I just picked it up today, actually. Nice. So uh, it is uh, on the Switch, and it's a port of the mobile game. And it's not, it's yeah, it is a port, but it's more like the game of the year version, yeah. you know. So it's been enhanced a little bit. They've uh, you can use the touch controls, and you can also play with the, you know, the the buttons and the the analog sticks and everything. Um, and it, there's more content and things that you would have bought separately through the various packs and stuff in the games. But for anyone that doesn't know what Slayway Camp is, is it's basically a a horror themed version of a Hitman Go and Tomb Raider Go. Yeah. If you would agree with that, maybe yeah, that, that makes... seems like a yeah. good. I've not played it, but I've seen enough of it to. Yeah. So basically, the the game is themed like eighties slasher. Um, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know that that genre. Um, of horror slasher mm-hmm. and you control a little character uh oh it's also done in this uh i don't even know what you call the the style the proper term for it but everyone it's like these little block art characters yeah they're kind of minecrafty yeah thing. i don't um, know yeah there is a name for that but i don't know blocky is you, good enough yeah so it's the little blocky character and he's called skull face and he's got a skull that covers his face because his face is horribly disfigured. Um, so it's obviously it's taken its inspiration from Friday the 13th. And the idea is you're presented with a level and you need to kill everyone that's in that level. Um, but the way that Skullface moves is that he can't walk across half of the map. If he moves, you know, if you tell him to move left, he moves until he he can't move anymore, you know, whether that be he's reached the end of the map or there's something blocking his way. It's like you those know, so ice he... puzzles and like Zelda and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. You know, he can't just stop halfway, he moves all the way across. Yeah. Um, and that's what it is. So it's a puzzle. So you you need to move to, well, you know, move Skullface around so that he is next to the people he's trying to kill. Whenever he's next to them and he moves into them, he kills them and uh it you know they've created these animations and it's these little kills um so that he may 
if you buy a weapon uh, so once you complete levels and things you can buy little weapons so if you've got the the bow and arrows he shoots bow and arrows into their eyes or if you get the baseball bat which is the first one he gets you know he clobbers them on the head and all things like this and it's really really cool um it's a, a novel idea for what is essentially hitman go you know that type of game mm-hmm. um very thematic uh, they're each level or each section they call the movies and they consist of the first one consists of I think nine puzzles nine levels mm-hmm. uh, and then so you finish that one it's called a Slayway Camp then there's a Slayway Camp 2 The Return and then there's Slayway Camp 2.5 uh, and then there is another one as well and I'm just actually getting my my 3D uh, my 3DS. 3DS. I'm going nuts here. <laughs> Remember those days? Oh yeah. Remember uh, video games were 3D? I'm getting my <laughs> I get my Switch up, and uh, it's called My Gory Valentine. So they they've created other That's levels, weird. and they're you know they're based on uh, popular slashes yeah. of that time as well. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, I've in the short amount of time that I've had it, uh, I've played through Slayway Camp and Slayway Camp Two. I'm busy with the third one, which is Slayway Camp Two Point Five. And yeah, there's lots to kind of unlock little uh, bonus actions. There's a you can choose what the killer looks like. So uh, you can choose Skullface. You can choose Skullface without his mask. Um, which is obviously, you know, Friday the 13th reference. Mm. And the one that I have at the moment is a uh, Skullface's mum. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Skullface. So, I, and again, you know, it's, if you know those those films, it is, it's all very wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, and yeah, very enjoyable. Um, some of the puzzles are quite hard. So what happens is if a puzzle looks like it's getting too difficult, you can they've got this system um so they've uh, because it's you know the, the whole theme is a uh, 80 slashes and it's it's taken the idea of the the levels of movies and they're on cassettes like video videotape yeah um so the controls uh, mirror the play pause uh, fast forward you know uh, rewind those kind of buttons that you would get on a a, a video machine so if you push remember those days i know yeah so if you push the the rewind button it restarts the level um if you push the fast forward button you can skip the entire level move on to the next level um if you want to do it that way the other way of doing it is they can they'll give you a hint so you spend some of your in-game currency to give it to get a hint uh, I used a hint earlier on, and the hint was kill the policeman first. This pol- policeman in the level, and so it's giving you an idea of how to complete the puzzle. If that isn't good enough for you, you can spend a little bit more money, and the game gives you step-by-step instructions how to complete the level. Yeah, which is quite neat as well. Rather than you know just uh, skipping the level, you can. Be told how to you do a... it, so you can kind of, yeah. and then kind of helps you learn for future ones because you're like, well, I, I didn't know how to do this before, but the game showed me I can do this. So yes, yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah, 
Um, really cool. So the game is going for a twelve. I think it's is it thirteen ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine. But there's a discount on at the moment, so you can pick it up for twelve pound fifty, round about that amount. Nice. Uh, which I did. Um, mm-hmm. I had some. Um, Bonus, uh, not bonus points, loyalty points, but I didn't use them. Um, I just thought I'd keep those. But yeah, uh, so you know, twelve, thirteen pound, and you're getting. I think it's like it says over nine hundred levels or something That's stupid in cool. the description. Is a hell of a lot. Uh, yeah, check it out. I'm very impressed with what I played so far. Good fun. Uh, the theme just it's it's my cup of tea, and it's cool the the voice acting is very good in it um each level or each movie starts off and they've got a trailer um you know and it's a does it give just, away the whole plot yes exactly yeah. <laughs> you know they thought it was safe to go back to the camp well it wasn't and then the second one is they thought it was safe well it still isn't you know and it it is it yeah. takes fun it just takes the piss out of the entire genre um lots of fun definitely recommended picking it up either on the switch uh the switch works really well i i was reading reading up on it before i bought it and people were saying that you know it controls really well with the the button scheme rather than the touch screen yeah and i agree i prefer i've tried using the touch screen it's okay but using the button control scheme is definitely where it works it feels a lot better you feel like you've got more control you can move around with things uh rather than the touch screen so yeah check it out mobile if that's what you have or if you're not too sure and you'd rather spend you know three pound uh, as opposed to you know close to 15 check it out that way but w- whichever you do um i would suggest checking it out cool yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Kieran, you have been playing something called Northgard. Yes, so um, Northgard is a real-time strategy game that has been in early access for a while and I've been keeping an eye on it, um, but it came out of early access last week and so I decided I should just bite the bullet, pick it up. They had a sale while it was... Um, while it was... Uh, coming out of early access uh-huh. so I decided I'd just pick up it's um, like a combination of a kind of traditional real time strategy game like an Age of Empires or like a, War- a Warcraft or something like that uh, with a city builder uh huh right okay so it's this weird kind of interesting thing where you're building like a, a viking colony and you're you're surviving against the elements as well as your opponents so you land on an island and you kind of get a little founding like town center thing and you can assign people to build stuff and you can start building different buildings but you can only build within your borders Uh and you increase your borders by colonizing other areas that are around you which costs money to do. And you have to scout them out with a scout first as well, so you actually know what's there. And so the whole map is divided into these little um, sectors that are kind of... They're not like squares or polygons or anything like that. They're kind of, you know... They're uh, they're all uniquely shaped, so it just looks like a very natural-looking map, but your border will cover this you know section of it. 
Um, and you can click on it and it'll show you like different sections have different, some of them are normal, but some of them have different abilities. So, you know, if you find like a forest, it'll be like, oh, well, if you build a woodcutter's thing here, then you'll get 20% extra wood from it. And there'll be ones like if you, uh, if you build a farm on this one, then you'll get 20% extra. Or you can only build a farm here because it's an empty plain that has space for farms or there's a pond here so you can fish here. And if you fish, you'll get food throughout the winter as well as throughout the summer. Um, because that's one of the main things is you'll constantly have an income of food and uh, wood and money, uh, assuming that you've got villagers set to do those things. And you manually assign them. It's not like most uh, city builders, you kind of just build the thing and then settlers will come and do the thing for you. But in this one, you have to specifically choose them and go, right, you guys are now fishermen. Go over there. Um, which is cool. And then also, you can only build certain amounts of build, uh, certain numbers of buildings in each area. So I think most areas, it's, you can build three buildings. And then you can, right, pay, okay. you can pay 100 gold to increase that by one more. So you could add a fourth building. But... Very quickly, you'll start running out. You'll have more people than you have things for them to do, because you've you know you need to expand. You'll be like, I've got all these people. They're just get they gather food by default. But I need wood, but I only have one woodcutter's lodge, and they can only have two people there. So I need to expand somewhere else so I can get people to cut down more wood, or I need money, so I need to build a trade hub so that I can start trading with people and get money, but again I don't have any space so I need to start expanding out which means I need more food and it's just this kind of endless cycle of um, well not endless because eventually you'll win or lose but it's this big cycle of like I'm trying to keep everything in balance so you're not spending all your resources but you are increasing your you know your control and your the size of your little colony so that you can do more but then the main kind of you know draw to this game is there's also like these random events that will happen well some of them are random some of them are seasonal that will happen that will kind of fuck you up so right the seasonal ones are like there is a calendar you know you you're going through time as the match goes on and when winter comes you can't get you like you gather way less food you use way more wood because everyone's burning wood to stay warm uh uh-huh. And people are just kind of a bit demotivated and stuff in general, so your happiness goes down a bit. And it's that kind of thing where you need to prepare for that, as well as spending your money to, or your food to expand and to, and you're gathering less food because you're moving people on to cut down wood or turning people into soldiers or doing all these numerous other things. You have to make sure you have enough food that your people don't just starve to death when winter comes. Right, okay. Because that could happen. You could have, especially, uh, there's random events where seasonally winter comes and then randomly also it might be a blizzard. So it means the winter is going to be especially bad. And it warns you a fair bit ahead of time. By the way, this winter that's coming, it's going to be fucking mental, man. You might want to, there's a red weather warning this time, right? It's not, <laughs> don't, don't travel unless you really need to, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Your Tesco is not going to have any food in it. It's no not... bread, no milk. <laughs> no bread, no milk. Where's the breed? And then, um, like, it'll warn you ahead of time so you can go, right, well, fuck, I guess everyone should just gather food for now then because we're all going to starve to death <laughs> otherwise. Um, but then you might not have enough wood and everyone might freeze to death instead, so... Right, okay. Um, but the end goal of it is, like, it's... Um, 
kind of like civilization in terms of different victories you can get. So you can get a victory by wiping out other clans, you know, with your military. Like you can make a bunch of soldiers and go and just smash up all their stuff and take over their areas. Or you can win by uh, getting the most fame. So there's a fame point that you get for doing various things. Like you'll get it for... Um, for like there's different wolf camps and stuff like that in some tiles so if you colonize an area that had a wolf camp on it by killing all the wolves and colonizing it that'll give you some fame um you can create great trade routes that will gather resources and stuff like that and that will eventually give you more fame and you can explore the map and that'll give you there's basically you get fame just for doing things so the more you're doing the more fame you'll get and the more chance you have of winning Uh uh-huh and it's just really cool. I'm going through the campaign just now. Um, I watched someone play a multiplayer match of it, and it seems way too difficult for me. <laughs> like, I, it seems beyond me. The person I was playing was like, um, she used to be a StarCraft Two pro, and it's still like you know top tier of like the online on StarCraft Two, and it, it looked difficult when she was playing it. I was like, I can't do this. This isn't even. I'm not even trying. Um, but the campaign is in itself like really fleshed out it's got like a moderately interesting story but at the very least like it's got a series of campaign missions that introduce the new mechanics as they go on so these mechanics i assume if i did just a either an online match or like a versus ai match it would probably have all of these mechanics in it at once but the campaign kind of rolls them out you know level after level gradually Uh to get used to them so it'll be like, oh, in this level, or in this mission, um, you're playing as a different, there's different clans, and different clans have different abilities, so usually it'd be something like, oh, well, this clan can gather food from uh, hunting wolves. So every time you kill a wolf, usually you just kill a wolf, and that's good, because that means the wolves aren't eating all of your people. But if they kill wolves, they get food from it. So you get to the campaign mission we plays them and it's like yeah well i guess we just won't let you um do anything so if you want food you should probably go kill all these wolves <laughs> fair enough um just to kind of encourage you to play a more aggressively as that clan to show you how they're meant to be played um or the clan the mission i'm on just now which is really difficult um is playing as a clan whose main thing is that they get by default you can build harbors and harbors you assign uh, colonists to or villagers to and you can send them out on raids and they'll gather either lore points which are used to go through the tech tree or they'll gather fame which is you know used to help you win the game yeah um this other clan also gets money just by default no matter which of those two you also are gathering you also get money so their mission is very dependent on getting money so it's like, oh, you really need some money. You should probably be building harbors everywhere. Look, we started you next to like four different places that you could build a harbor. Just saying, might want to consider that. <laughs> um, and so it's cool. It kind of tutorializes all that stuff in a really cool way. And I'm really enjoying the game so far. Like it's, right. it's like I've been a bit of a, I'd say I've been a bit of a real time strategy slump in recent like I'd say even years. You know, like, I played a bit of Halo Wars 2 recently, but, you know, Stellaris was the last big RTS that I've really jumped into, and that, that barely even counts, because Paradox's stuff is 
bizarre in its own weird way. Um, yeah. Um, cool. I'm I'm liking it. I definitely recommend it. So that's Northgard. It's on PC. I think it's only on Steam just now. Right. Okay. Like it's not on GOG or anything like that yet. Right. Um, and also the price went back up, so. Like I think, oh, let's see. One of my friends was gonna buy it, and he went and saw it. Cause I was like, it's only fifteen quid. You can go buy it, and the price went back up. It's like twenty five or something like that now. And he's like, oh well, twenty five. That's close enough to Surviving Mars. I'll go buy that instead. And it's like, oh, okay, well that's fair. <laughs> okay, Surviving Mars just came out as well, and I bought this instead. All right, fair and enough. I don't know if that was necessarily the right choice. I'm enjoying it a lot. Surviving Mars looks really good as well, though. So yeah, I'm. I was tempted to pick it up. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk about the choice that I made uh, <laughs> later on at one point. Yeah. Let, let's talk about... Well, I don't know which choice it is. But let's talk about one of the choices you made, which was you bought a Super Nintendo Mini. I did, yes. yes. Is this so, the choice you were talking about? No, it wasn't actually, <laughs> no. It was the other one. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the other one. So I picked up the uh, SNES Mini. Are you enjoying it? Um, but yeah, I enjoying it quite a bit. So, I, just to go back into my sort of gaming history, my consoles that I had growing up and, and things was uh, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. That was my my first console. Loved that. Uh, I also had uh, a NES, but I we missed the SNES. Uh, in South Africa where I grew up it was one of those things we we lost out on the snares um, Man, Mar- Americans are going to hate this episode <laughs> Americans don't pronounce it snares but we do yes yeah everyone um, does so we we didn't get the snares we got the master system but we didn't get the mega drive um, oh, yeah, weird. it was kind of weird how things went. And then the N64, we got that and we got the PlayStation and, you know, kind of everything else from then. But Sega, yeah, just coincidentally, Sega was one that kind of burned people in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Master System was fine. Um, didn't get the Mega Drive, like I said. And then it was, what was after that? The Mega CD, that oh, just God. burned people. Yeah. Yeah, so but that was a global thing though. <laughs> that burned yeah, everyone that, everywhere. Yeah, that's that wasn't true. <laughs> that wasn't unique to South Africa, I'm afraid. No, no, it was not. Um so yeah, um I didn't play much of the the snail stuff. Um played most of the the classics, you know, uh, one way or another by hook or by crook. Mm-hmm. Um and so but most of them are on the you know, this Wii machine, the SNES Classic Mini. Um, So you've got things like uh, Link to the Past, uh, Super Punch-Out, you've got F-Zero, there's one of the Contras, one of the Street Fighting games, things like that. So yeah, been sampling them and enjoying it quite well. Uh, One thing that I would say about it is, I think you spoke about this as well, Kieran, when you got yours, was the controllers. The controllers (laughs) are perfect. Apart from the bloody cables, they're yeah. absolutely useless. Um, so I had a look once I'd got it, and I found you had bought one of the 8-bit door game pads. Yes. Um, and I went for one. I thought, I'll, I'll just go for one of the classic ones. Um, I didn't want, you know, the, the dual analog sticks. Well, 
we'll get to that bit. But yeah, so I thought <laughs> I'd go for that one. And um, so if you have a SNES Mini or even the NES, if you're looking at getting picking up one of these, you can pick up the one that doesn't have the rumble, it doesn't have the dual analog sticks, for about £23, and it comes with the little... Uh, the retro dongle that you need. Yeah, that's the thing that I work. didn't realize and was surprised by because I bought the dual analog one. It doesn't come with anything. It's yeah, just, it comes with the the controller. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, that was a, a good deal, and it links up easy enough to do, no problems at all. And you can now sit on the couch and play your machine. Great. Uh, so no problems there. Uh, but uh, what else can you say about the machine? Yeah, it, it's fine, except it's got the 21 games on it. Uh, most of the games, like I said, you would have probably played one one way or another. It's all kind of stuff that you have played. Yeah. So there's Star Fox, and there's uh, Final Fantasy 3, which is 6. Yes. Um, there's Mega Man, there's a couple of Kirby games and things like that. But what I wanted was... You know, like most people, I wanted to be able to go in and, you know, maybe buy some more games for it. Mm-hmm. Nintendo didn't see it that way. Nope, there's no um, internet connection on that thing. There's, yeah, it's just, hey, here's the system, here's yes. the 21 games. Maybe we'll sell another one later. Who knows? Yeah, um, but in the meantime, there is a way to actually alter it. Shall we say? Um, to put games and, on it that you've completely legally bought in other places and have uh, backed up yourself. Yes, exactly. Exactly like that. Definitely <laughs> um, the case. Yes, definitely the case. So I I have put quite a few, uh, few games on games here. On Le- legally owned games, yes. yes. <laughs> Not saying who legally owns them, but somebody <laughs> does. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so... But I have been playing through quite a few. So just to give you an idea of things that I have played on here, uh, obviously played uh, Super Mario Kart. That was cool. Um, it's it, it's weird when you put it on, and you know we're used to seeing the 3D graphics and everything <laughs> now. Um, the coins in, in the SNES version of Mario Kart are—they're actually like stuck to the ground or yeah, welded just, to the ground. Just... These these flat yellow circles, oh, and you good. drive all over them, and all of a sudden they kind of ping into life. <laughs> it's bizarre, um, but yeah, the the game is still fun. The gameplay is there, which is cool. Um, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country still looks really good. Yeah, still an impressive looking game. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I played a little bit of that, enjoyed that. You know what um, I found actually like holds up. I think most of the games of Super Nintendo hold up graphically. Like I think they look yeah. really pretty for the most part. Um, uh-huh. But especially um, Yoshi's Island, which it was I... a, it was very late on the Super Nintendo. All right, okay. But I I yeah. haven't played it yet. It's worth playing. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Yoshi's Island. Like it's a good game. It's a decent platformer. Um, All right, okay. But it's a really pretty platformer is the main thing. Right. Um, and then also, it's not on this NES Mini by default, but um, I put it onto mine. Uh, Kirby's Dreamland 3, I think, is the one that's on SNES. That's another right. one that came out like right at the end of the console cycle, and it looks so pretty. 
Um, so I, one of the things that I have been uh, rediscovering, and one of the things that the the SNES was good for, was it had a lot of arcade ports on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of the games that I've been playing through here were originally, you know, in the arcade, and I would go in and put 50, you know twenty p coins in there, and just spend all my all my pocket money as a kid in the arcades um i so there's things like uh, the was it activision or in television uh one of the vision companies anyway they did all the marvel beat up games yeah you know so there was like captain america and the avengers and there was spider-man and spider-man and venom total carnage that was a console exclusive actually i think total uh, carnage is the only one i've played as well all right um, there was the all the X Men games as well, so I've downloaded all of them. I sorry, I've put them on to my machine. Good save, good save. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so I put them on onto my machine, and I played a little bit of them, which was really cool. Um, just reminded me of my you know the days in the arcade, just uh, pumping coins in, playing through. Uh, you know, because it was normally two players at a time. Myself, and my cousin, going through all of these games. One of the games that I found was, um, uh, and I've forgotten the name of it, which I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, final, uh, yeah, Final Fight. Yes, Final Fight's good. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, really good. Uh, and one of the few games that I'd finished on. You know, in coin ops, uh, that was one of them. There was a uh, golden axe, was the other one, mm-hmm. and another game that I found on here was quite late that we finished it. It was uh, Konami's Sunset Riders. Did you ever play that one? Um, yeah, Sunset Riders, great. Yeah, that was really good. So I found that as well. I also found a one of the other things that the SNES had was loads and loads of. Uh, movie tie-in games. Yeah. So there was uh, Indiana Jones: The Greatest Adventures, uh, which I thought was quite good. Uh, I quite I liked it. That. Also, going back uh, about to Sunset Riders. Did you know that Sunset Riders was um, originally meant to be the last game on Game Room? Remember Game Room, uh, Microsoft's the Xbox 360 arcade oh, yes. thing. Oh yeah. And they released games in packs, like DLC packs. Yes, yeah. So the very last DLC pack had, or it wasn't even DLC, it was like a, an update, had uh, Sunset Riders on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it never unlocked, because they shut it down before that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was in there. <laughs> like, if you had Game Room installed, you had a copy of Sunset Riders oh, on your no. machine that you couldn't access. <laughs> that sucks. It does, because it's a good uh, game. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So, yeah, I, I found the Indiana Jones game. I uh, played a little bit of that. That was quite cool. Uh, I also found like some really bad ones, like Lethal Weapon. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but I've been playing quite a lot of the racing games. So they, uh, one of the, the bigger games, if you, you know, have a look at one of those articles that runs through you know, the best nice games of all time and things mm-hmm. like that, is Rock and Roll Racing. Yeah from interplay that game is really cool that's a um, blizzard joint yes from the guys that brought you world of warcraft exactly yeah <laughs> rock and roll racing where we're at um, actually three vikings uh very good game. oh yeah 
Oh, right, okay. Is I need to. Is this called? I think it's Three Vikings. I'll need to have a look on that one. Um, but yeah, so rock and roll racing is. Lost Vikings is what's called, sorry. Lost Vikings, yes, that's it. Um, yeah, rock and roll racing is. still holds up really well. Right. Um, the sound on it is amazing. So it's it's got four or five songs that it plays. Mm. Um, I think one of them's Paranoid, one of them's Bad to the Bone. It's, you know, and the MIDI. Is MIDI, yeah, yeah, it MIDI, was MIDI, MIDI yeah, yeah, yeah um, MIDI versions of these rock and roll classics, um, which is quite cool. Uh, so I played quite a bit of that, uh, and I also played. It was a game called Super Offroad. I don't think I've ever played that one. So Super Offroad was if you ever went to an arcade and they had it, and it was quite a big console and it had four steering wheels on it. All right. Four steering wheels and uh, mm. a set of pedals for each player. It was a four-player game, mm-hmm. and there was these. Uh, so at most there would be four people that could play, and there'd be one. So if you had a full house, it'd be four people plus one. <clears throat> excuse me, AI car. Yeah. That would drive about, and they had these simple. It was a top-down game, and you had these little tracks that you drove on. Um, your average race would probably take about a minute or so. Mm-hmm. You know, and you did five laps around these little tracks. First one to finish wins. Um, if you finished first, if you got a podium finish, then you you could stay in the game. So if it was four people got a podium finish, you carried on. If you came anywhere other than one, two, or three, you had to put more coins in the machine to continue. Um, and you could buy upgrades for your car you could do nitros you could increase the tires suspension That's you know cool. all the usual stuff yeah um so i played and i ended up playing oh god it must have been about 30 40 minutes of it last <laughs> night and uh and the tracks just repeat themselves because it was a coin it was a coin guzzler that's all it did yeah you know there was no progression in the game at all uh, so I ended up, I'd maxed out my car. I wasn't even using the nitros. Um, <laughs> and I had over 2 million, uh, 2 million credits in in-game currency. And I thought, I'm just going through all the maps here. And I th- So I ended up, yeah, no, not, not even. I was waiting for it to break and it didn't. Uh, so yeah, that was quite fun. Played that. Um, and I also played some Super Star Wars. Ah, nice. Which one? The first one? Uh, yeah, I played. I've played quite a bit of the first one, and I had a go at uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi as well. Those games are um, so hard. Oh, they are brutal. They are just even now, you know, it's there's no thinking back with fond memories. They are still bastard, brutal games. Um, so yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. You know, just having a look at these things and playing games that I played in the arcade like i said before and also trying new ones that i've always read about and you know not played as yet and yeah. things like that discovering new things which is quite cool uh i'd also got uh, the i don't know if you remember or if you ever played the carmen san diego games i never played them um, i've heard <laughs> about them like they're you know they're notorious yes yeah i and funny i liked uh what was the one i i played uh where in the world 
Um, and yeah, so a little bit of sna- nostalgia looking at that, and also got some ones that were based on, you know, classic uh, PC games um, where the conversion wasn't the best, like Wing Commander. Yeah. Yeah, I've that never is... played that version of Wing Commander, but uh, you should. It's, <laughs> it's... <laughs> worth worth seeing. Yes, worth seeing, and you're going, what the hell is Didn't this? Didn't Wing Commander uh, have like a bunch of FMV in it? Like, how's no? Or that is that was only the, the sequels. Yeah, uh, that was Wing Commander Four. Oh yeah, and it had that was the one um, that had Mark Hamill in it. Yes, Mark Hamill's and in it. Yeah, that was people. four. Yeah, no, this is the this is the original Wing Commander. All right, I don't think I ever played Wing Commander. Then I think I only played four. All right, okay. Um, yeah, the the original Wing Commander was a good game. Uh, very very difficult but yeah still good um and i also checked um, one of the classic zombies ate my neighbors yeah that's a good one that's a good one yeah but uh, yeah so having a lot of fun with it uh in terms of the the hardware itself it's a cracking little piece of kit um a mm-hmm. quite happy with what i paid for it the, the only thing is the controllers the controllers those cables yeah. And it is literally just the cables as well. Like, I think the controllers feel great. Like, even, yeah. I think they feel a lot better than the 8-bit though one. Um, I like the 8-bit though one. Like, it's, it's a really good controller, but it's, I feel like the Nintendo ones are yes so much nicer. Yeah, yeah. Despite that. But then, yeah, the cord is so short, it's just not practical. Yeah. Um, um... It's been fine for me recently because I've had mine plugged into one of my PC monitors because I've been capturing footage from it because I want to do. Oh a, right, okay. I want to do a video about um, a game that Nathan recommended actually on Super Nintendo when I hacked mine and was putting completely illegally purchased games on it. Um, yes, of course. Which is uh, Poppin' Twinbee Rainbow Bell Adventures. Oh right, okay. Which is it's like spinoff of like. Um, I think it's the same people made like Parodius and stuff like that, and it's um, it's a two D platformer kind of similar to something like Kirby, uh, but you're running around as a little dude that can get like a gun and a, a weapon. There's two different characters you play as, and they all have different weapons, and there's these kind of big open levels that you can kind of explore and collect stuff, and it's really fun. I've been I'm thinking of doing a video on it, so I've been capturing some footage for it. But hey. The Super Nintendo Mini's tiny cord length is just long enough for me to be able to sit on my computer desk and play it. Which is not bad. <laughs> cool. But yeah, so uh, still enjoying it. Um, if you are looking for a little bit of nostalgia, uh, definitely suggest picking up one of those. Mm-hmm. And if you have, you know, legally obtained copies of the games, <laughs> uh, you could always. Uh, find a way of putting those on your machine as well yep. recommend that as well cool I, I think we've only got one more video game to talk about yes and we've both been playing it you've finished yes, it yeah. I, I did it. yeah so uh, you, what we are talking about is the new Kirby game for Nintendo Switch Kirby Star Allies yeah so I do you I'm new to Kirby games this is the first one that I've actually played um, and purchased. Uh, so, do you want to give us a quick rundown of what the game actually is? Sure. Um, Kirby Star Allies is a 2D platformer uh, where you play as Kirby, who is a pink blob that eats things. <laughs> um, 
But, and then also, like, when he eats things, he can steal their powers because that's what he does. He eats them and takes their abilities. And it's adorable. It's the, the main defining feature of all of the Kirby games, I think, is that they are overly cute. They have cute music, cute sound effects. Like, everything about them is just adorable. Um, one of the main features they've added in this game over the previous games is that now you can make instead of just eating enemies you can also make them into your friends by throwing hearts at them yes yeah and then you can force feed them food <laughs> to give them health um it's it's just really cute really cool um, yes yeah so how have you been finding it so far um the it is one of the best looking games that i've seen in a while uh in terms of the gameplay, it is just... I found myself, you know, just kind of laughing at some of the things that he, that Kirby does. So there's, there's characters and things that he does that he's been... You know, he's done throughout all the other games. One of the ones is the, the chef. Yeah. And uh, when he becomes the chef, he puts a little hat on and he's got his little set of uh, utensils. He clicks them together, a pot appears. All his enemies and his friends jump into the pot the enemies disappear, his friends <laughs> pop back out, and there's all sorts of goodies, food and power-ups and things that appear. Yeah, and everyone's all... cooks those enemies and eats yeah. them. <laughs> Kirby's really um, morbid when you think about it. Yes, yeah, he's this, you know, pink blob, and he eats everything. Um, you know, it's more like he's the, he's the villain of the piece when you think about <laughs> it, because he's, complete, he's completely power, overpowers everyone else. I mean, like... Um, if you think of the context of the start of this game, like the story of this game is that these evil hearts reign throughout the universe and infect a bunch of things, making them evil. But Kirby yes. sleeps through that. He doesn't even know that's a thing. He just wakes up and it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go fucking fuck up DDD. And it's like, why? What did he do to you? <laughs> he did yes, yeah, through... yeah. He's like, I'm going to murder this tree. And it's like, why are you killing this poor tree? <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so he... You know, he eats people, he beats them up, he makes people his friends, and he drags them with him on yeah, these, like you know... Them. Yeah, it's like, you're coming with me and we're going to fuck things up. And then when they start to, you know, lose energy and, you know, he grabs a burger or a hot dog, eats it himself, then he turns to them and spits what he doesn't want in their mouth to give them energy. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> It's but, adorable. Yeah. <laughs> he does it in yeah. the most adorable way. Yes, yeah, the, the game is really adorable. Um, whenever they finish a level, um, they do a little dance all together. They, they, the game is just super cute. The The whole thing about the you know the different characters, I like the, the artist, the painter. Yeah, that's that's a new one for this game. That's not oh, right, okay. Games. And that is, they added a, a handful of new powers, and they're all really, really good. But that one is definitely my favourite. Yeah, so I, I really like that one. Um, it, it, you know, it is, it's really cute. Um, on the, the kind of negative side of it, the game is super easy. Yeah, that's the thing. You Kirby know, games have always really been aimed at kids more than anything else. Yeah. So they're always really easy. Yeah, um, it is super easy. Once you collect, is it a hundred coins? You get a free life, 
Um, I think I finished the game with 120 lives. That makes sense. I'm in World 4 just now. I just finished World 3. And I've got, I think, about 50 or 60 lives. So Yes, yeah. I, I think I died a couple of times. Once or twice I died, I did it on purpose um, because I thought, can it, you know, I was testing the limits of, of how far it could go with the level. And yeah. is this the end of the game world? Will I die? I think so. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, did it that way. Um, I think there was only once where I, gen- I generally I got beaten by a, uh, one of the bosses. Mm-hmm. Um uh, the game has uh, other thing. Have you played any of the mini games at all? I played the baseball one, where you yes. hit the an asteroid or the moon or whatever it is into space. Yeah, so it's called uh, Star Slam Heroes, and uh, it's up to four people can play, and you all play a character, and the you basically you're smacking an asteroid as it comes towards you it's a timed event um you have to hit power buttons at the same the right time to get a power bar and then push the button and you smack the asteroid Mm -hmm. and whoever hits it the farthest wins the game and let me tell you as someone's been playing a lot of golf games recently pretty (laughs) easy (laughs) yes yeah um but it is it's more you know it's meant to be a casual little yeah, thing that you play with your friends. Kirby yeah. games always have these. Uh, there's always a handful of them. Oh, right, I take okay. it you unlock more later on because there's spaces on the main menu for more I... than the two you start with. Well, I'll tell you about those in a sec. Okay. Uh, the other one is called Ch- Chop Champs, and it's basically you're chopping down a tree, um, so it's hitting the button as quickly as you can chop. Whoever yes. chops the most wood to build a little log cabin wins the game. This is like Tester Mate be- from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so there's beasties on either side, and you need to make sure you don't hit. The be- oh, you need to make sure you hit the beasties and they don't touch you. So you need to jump from left to right of the tree. Um, so, you know, so you're you're not only chopping the tree, but you're deciding what side to, what side oh, you're going to stand on. Yeah, um, pretty simple. That's fine. Um, I can't recommend this game to anyone. Just because it's so short? Yeah. Yeah. This game is a full price game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I said, you know, I had a lot of fun, really liked the game, super cute. Uh, production values, off the charts, everything like that. It's a full price game. Um, so you're talking 50 quid on the store or 40 pounds you know 40 quid to buy a, a physical version of it yeah uh five hours you're done story mode finished yeah it seems um yeah once you once you've done that you it unlocks kieran like you said it unlocks two spaces those spaces one of them is a time mode, okay. and the other one and the other one is um you know you can you can fight the bosses it's boss rush all right so um, it doesn't. It doesn't. Really. No, there's no extra content. Um. Yeah. Uh, for the money of the game, I can't recommend anyone spend the money on it. Yeah, definitely seems like one. Like unless you're, you know, like me, where you're a big Kirby fan. Um, I, wait for I, the price to come down a bit. Yeah, I see. Even at that, if I'd bought this and you were saying you were, you know, you were chomping at the bit to buy it, mm-hmm. I would say to you, nope. Here, take my take my switch. 
let's <laughs> let's swap switches for the weekend or do something. I couldn't even recommend it for you, and yeah. it's just, yeah, I don't know. There's not enough. Um, you know, it, if it was half price, if it was twenty five quid, um, I'd I'd say yeah, go for it. You, you know, you it, it's it could be pricey for what it is, but you know, if you're a big Kirby fan or you know the graphics, etc., etc., yeah, or premium because it's a Switch game, yeah, go for it. But the price it is right now, I feel I feel as if I've been had a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else just that just because of the length and the price of the game but if the price comes down definitely yeah that's right yeah um which is a pity it's you know i was really enjoying it and uh then it playing ended. Through, yeah and then it finished and i thought shit i, I think i sent uh, yourself and paul a message saying i think i finished the game yeah and it was like, yeah, I have. And I wasn't and... sure if that was like, oh, you, you know, you liked it so much that you kind of kept playing it until you finished it, but or if it was, hey, this just isn't very long. Yeah, so I bought the game on uh, when it came out on Friday. I played the game on Friday, uh, you know, on and off during the day. Uh, played a little bit on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I played a little bit on Saturday. Then from about two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, I went through to Edinburgh to go visit some friends, mm-hmm. and um, I played on the train coming back. So it's a half an hour train journey from Edinburgh through to Glasgow, and I got to the final boss battle, and I thought this is you know it's quite a chunky boss battle. Beat the boss, and I got into quite a lengthy cutscene. I thought I think I've finished the game. And I had to get off the train, and I got home and started up the the switch again. And yeah, sure enough, it was done. That's that's a shame. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's the weirdest thing, you know. I'm listening to myself sitting here going, "I really enjoyed the game, super cute, blah blah blah," but I can't tell you to buy it. Yeah, it's, it's the weirdest fair. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you finding it so far, anyway? Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. Um, also, I've not I've not finished it, so I've not I've an issue with the length yet. Uh, but it's definitely possible I'll reach the end and be like, eh. um, but so far I'm really enjoying it. I'm on the fourth world, I think, which is like right. a series of planets. Yeah, it's like not as interconnected as the rest of them. The rest of them are kind yeah. of like you know a Mario style overworld where it's just you know level to level, and there's you know little side levels that you unlock by finding hidden areas in each level yes but yeah they're all really easy to find because it's a kids game um but yeah so i just got to that one so i've not actually done anything in it yet i just kind of flew around for a bit and was like oh i can go to any of these levels in any order okay so yeah oh can you yeah you can just fly around those ones don't seem to be actually connected they all oh okay all right i uh, there is a way to kind of connect them which i did all right, okay. All right. Interesting. But, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say you probably... How many? How far are you into that? I've not done any of those levels yet. All right, okay, you've just unlocked them. All yeah. right. Uh, cool. 
Uh, yeah, if you want, I can. We can talk afterwards, but I'm not really going to say anything on the podcast. No, that's fair. Um, um, I'm enjoying it so far, though. Uh, I don't think I will feel super disappointed when it ends, just because you know I kind of didn't expect it to be super long. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that's what the issue is yeah. as well. I think because I'm not familiar with Kirby games and you know the the whole franchise and things, so I maybe hardcore fans won't be as disappointed as i was um well i don't know it does also sound like it is quite short even for a kirby game like the on the 3ds there was two kirby games one called planet robobot which i never actually played and then one called uh, triple deluxe which was pretty lengthy and that one was great like that was kind of what revived my interest in kirby really was that triple deluxe game on 3ds was fantastic um, so yeah, it's kind of a shame if this one's a bit short, but I will probably yeah. be alright with it. But uh, yeah, cool. Uh, anything else to add about that? Do you think? Uh, it's really pretty. <laughs> my actually, my one disappointment with it is the frame rate, where it's locked at thirty. But then there's a couple of things that are not. So the main UI is sexy, which is fine. But like I don't mind 30 frames a second games. Like most games are 30 frames a second, and that's fine. I prefer 60 frames a second, but I don't really care. If games switch between the two, that's where it becomes an issue. Because if you sit and look at 60 frames per second for a bit, then 30 frames a second looks really slow until your eyes adjust again. Right. And this game and the main menu Kirby and his friends will kind of walk past the start button and stuff and that's really fluid and clearly 6 frames a second and makes the rest of the game look slow for a wee minute until your eyes adjust at least for me and then also the end of each level you do the um, the little mini game thing the jumping timing mini game and that's all 6 frames a second it's like this is just be consistent like, I get, like, okay, clearly you couldn't get the full game running this fast, but you should have lowered these ones as well because it makes the rest of the game look bad by comparison. Hmm. Um, it's a real nitpicky thing, but it annoyed me. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it is a good game, but it's got issues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's interesting to think, you know, because we're still quite early in the, the life cycle of the Switch um, and I think I suppose you could still say we're in the, the early adopter phase would that be fair do you think? Yeah I mean the first year just ended Yeah so um, it would have been interesting how this game would have been accepted and how well it would have sold had it come out this time next year Yeah I think it might have been a different story Yeah probably Yeah um, but anyways we will, I don't know, there will be more Kirby games on the Switch, I'm sure. And yeah. Hopefully um, they ho- learn from this. Yes, yeah, yeah, that would be good. But, cool. Hey, I think that's it for video games. Uh, it is. It is, yeah. So we've got a, a couple of board games. Alright, what board games you played, Mike? Uh, nothing. This isn't how this is meant to go, Mike. Um, this isn't how this works. Oh right, okay. You're, you're the you're the <laughs> contractual board game expert, and so we need you to tell us about board. Tell me about the board games I've been playing, Mike. 
<laughs> so yeah, I've uh, we would meant to have a well, we had a board game day which kind of fizzled out, so I never got a chance to play anything. And um, I I have played one more of the the fast forward games. Uh, I played a little. We spoke about it the last time, which was a flea. And I've played a little bit more of it. I got to the second chapter, so I got past where I need to. But I don't really think I can talk any more about it without giving anything away. So, a short story, or short end of the story, I haven't played anything worth talking about this week. But you have. What have you been playing? So, I played a handful of things. Uh, I played Fear, which is one of those fast forward games that you yes. mentioned um, you've talked about fear in the past in general the concept of fear but also specifically the game yes yeah. um, <laughs> and it's interesting I quite like it uh, but I, of the two of those games I've played so far i played Fortress as well I think I like Fortress a bit more because it seems like there's a bit more to it um, but I might need to just play more of fear um, fear is like a game where every turn to start with at least with the basic rules every turn you draw a card or play a card and you can only have three cards in your hand so if you have three cards in your hand then you have to play a card and the cards all just have numbers on them and you play them and when you get to a point where playing a card no matter which card it is would make the num the total number of all the cards on the table go above 15 then you lose Yep, and it's really simple so it's basically you're trying to play cards when you have kind of lower stuff and try to keep stuff in your hand but you're trying to set up a scenario where one of your opponents has to be the one to push it over 15 so that you don't lose um, and it's cool it's simple and neat we played a few rounds of it so it starts adding some additional little rules into it and stuff Um I enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to play through more of it, but it's, it seems a bit simpler compared to Fortress, for example. Uh-huh. Um, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I think I've just quite liked Fortress quite a bit so far. And, um... Yeah, so I played a decent amount, or a few rounds of that. It's pretty good. Uh, the art's really nice for that as well. I found that with all of these games so far. Uh, like, including, you know, Fabled Fruit and things like that. Like uh-huh, yeah. Craven Freeze's Fable games are all very pretty games yeah yeah um like the artwork's very simple but it's all is effective um i don't really have much more to add on that one um you played it as well before yeah i think you um, liked it a bit more than i did i think yeah it it what it's very simple yeah you know, and the the fact. So, how far have you finished it yet? Or... No, no, we played. I think four games. All right. Okay. So the when you sit and you play, if you play it through the entire thing, it will take you. But it would take you about an hour and a half to play through. You know, to work your way through the entire deck, and so you unlock the entire game, as it were, um, and. It starts off very simple, but the it adds these rules in, um, and then just as you get used to, you know, one one of the rules, it takes it away and adds something else. Mm-hmm. 
which we liked as well. You just got used to dealing with one thing. And even though it's, you know, it is a competitive game, myself and Anne found that we would be um, united in our hatred for the one rule <laughs> <laughs> that, that was in this game that, that changed the way you were playing. Um, and then once the entire system is revealed and you know, you know, you've got the entire system and it says, right, to play a game now that every everyone knows the rules to play a fresh game what you do is keep all the rules out and then take the special rule cards and everything shuffle them in and you just shuffle the cards off and off you go and that's quite cool because you can have these you know the the rule that you hated could come up and three cards later it changes a la flux that's quite cool um yeah which was quite cool i i liked it it was it's a simpler version of fable true yeah um and yeah i i'm still not i'm, I'm still not decided which one of the freedom free games or or the fast forward games that i prefer yeah. but i think i still need I to think... play flea but of the two that i've played so far but i've not finished either of them to be fair right um, okay I'm enjoying Fortress so far, which, uh, to be fair, I do think I need to take into account not just, like, how good it is overall start to finish, like, you know, how good is the start of it, you know? As a game, yes. it's no good if, you know, eventually the game gets good. It's the same, you know, it's the Final Fantasy Thirteen rule. <laughs> you know, <Yes. laughs> if, the ga- if the game sucks to start with, it still sucks, it doesn't matter. Not that, not that I would say that these games suck, you know, it's... Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I did enjoy my time with Fear. It's still a good game, um, but you know that's like the most, you know, taken to its most extreme example of that. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh yeah. So I'm enjoying it, but it's yeah. I need to play more of it. Good. Good. Um, other than that, we played Shipwreck Arcana, which you talked about last podcast. Uh, podcast last podcast. Before. I um, did. Yes. Which is a game that we both got on Kickstarter, which is a cooperative game where uh, players are drawing numbers out of a bag and uh, giving clues, basically, as to what that number is to other players. Yes. Um, I don't know what it is about this game, but there was something about the rulebook that kind of we had hang-ups with. Like, oh, okay. I, I couldn't specify what it was. It was just something like, it's a really, a really simple game. But it took us a couple of rounds to actually be like, oh, okay, that's how this works. Uh, before it really clicked for some reason. Um, but we started playing it properly, and we like when we figured out, we were like, all right, let's restart this. Call the whole thing a mulligan to it again. And uh, we played through a game for we won just barely. Um, oh, yeah. With it set to like the easiest difficulty, because there are kind of yes. difficulty settings for it. Um but it's really fun. So, like the the way it works is, you draw two numbers out of a bag, or after you after the first round, you draw one number out of a bag, um, and you choose to keep one in your hand, and to put one against one of the randomized cards that are on the table. You have three visible, four visible at a time, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember. So you're three or four, and those cards will say things like. Uh, if the number is if the number that you're keeping in your hand 
Well, I guess it specifically just says um, if one of your numbers is this, do this thing. So it's like, for example, if one of your numbers is uh, 3, 4, or 5, play the other number here. Yes, that's right. So if you drew a 5 and then also a 6, you would put the 6 down next to that card. And so that means the other player knows that your the number you have is between is either a 3, a 4, or 5. So they can rule out all the other numbers. Um, which is good because it means they can narrow down and they can make guesses as to whether your uh, to what your number is, which is the end goal. You get a point if you guess the number. Uh, you lose or you your death counter basically goes up one if you guess wrong. I believe. Um, I can't remember if that's exactly how the scoring works. It's something like that. Um, but then the other thing is. Uh, each of the numbers that you place against a card has a little uh, dot on it, or a little star on it. And each of the cards has a thing on the bottom of it with a number of stars. And uh-huh. when numbers higher numbers have higher numbers of stars on them, and when you place them against that card, when the number of stars on the card has been matched or exceeded, then that card goes out of play, which also causes your doom counter to go up. But also flips that card over, which gives you a a one time use special card that you can use later. So you can sometimes it'll be like, oh, if you guess wrong, you can guess again this turn. Um, but you have to discard that card afterwards, which is a kind of handy little thing. So it means as you're getting closer to losing, you're also getting more abilities to help you not lose, which is a neat little system that I quite liked. Um, I quite liked it in general. I like the the system of so to help you keep count of what um, what possible numbers it is, each player has a row of the numbers it's between 1 and 9, I think it is. Um, and they have a row of these numbers in front of them. And they only flip the... They can flip them over to, you know, be, hey, it's not this number, but only when one of the other players tells them to. So the other player says, all right, flip over your 1 and your 2 because I know that your number is definitely not a 1 yes. or a 2 then you flip those yep. over. And that means when just as an easy reference, they can look over at you. It didn't matter too much because we were playing two-player, so it would have you know been easy to keep count anyway. But I imagine with higher player counts, then it makes it, it's probably going to make it a bit easier because you can be like, okay, well, you know, Mike has only a three, four, and five in front of him still. You know, uh, Anne has an eight, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, Leanne has a one and a four. So like yep. I, I know that these are the numbers each of these people have, so I could try and guess, and yeah, it makes it easier. So you're not just trying to memorize all those numbers. It's just a nice little system. Um, yeah, I really like that. The artwork's beautiful. the The game plays really well. It is you know pretty straightforward. Um, again, we had some. I can't even specify what it is. It was with the rule book that we can't struggle with. There was just some of the wording on a couple of the rules. It's like I don't know about this, but we got it. It's you know. Simple enough a game that you can kind of just get it. Um, yeah, I really recommend this one. I, I really liked it. I want to play with more people because it seems good with two people, but I could see it scaling up well. Yeah, it. Um, we played with a. I think it's five players max. I think that's uh, we right, played. Yeah. yeah, we played with uh, full five players. Um, yeah, it's good fun. The thing that I really like is that you can drop in and out. Yeah, you know, um, it seems well fitting for that. Yeah, with no problems at all. 
Yeah, because there's um, no real... I mean, I guess the only way that would get fucked up is if, you know, you... If, if you made a bunch of shitty guesses and moved the Doom counter all the way up and then were like, yeah, I'm just going to sell it for the rest of you guys. Go on, fine. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we, we really enjoyed it. Um, it's a, a cracking game. Yeah, we're like, it was a good Kickstarter purchase and it was really cheap as well. Um, I yeah. assume they're going to do a retail release of it. Uh, I've not actually looked. I'm pretty sure they were going to, yeah. Um, yeah most Kickstarters but... do. Yeah, uh, it definitely uh, deserves it. I, if you see it about, it's definitely worth picking up. Um, yeah, it wasn't very expensive in Kickstarter as well, so I imagine it'd be relatively cheap in shops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And the the again, my same complaint as last time. A little bag's not that nice. It could be a nicer bag, you know. Oh yeah. It's yeah. okay, but you know it's a bit, it's a bit rigid. The key, I don't. A bit I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Whenever they say, "Yeah, we're gonna do like one of these bags on the Kickstarter campaign," and you get, it's though they're just horrible. Aren't they're they? always like that one though. So we should know by now. But instead, there's a little bit of our brain that doesn't think, "Oh, like those Kickstarter ones that are always terrible." It thinks, "Oh, like Love Letter," and it's like, "No, it's not gonna be like Love Letter. It's never like Love Letter." <laughs> <laughs> ever <laughs> unless it's love letter yes yeah or yeah. um what was that space one that was also love letter esque oh the lost the lost legacy that's the one i think yeah. i've still only actually played that once um but yeah so we played shipwreck arcana and then the last thing i played was an Star thing but one that I've been really excited for for a long time, and I think you have as well, Mike. Yes. Which is Hardback, the prequel yes. to Paperback. Yeah. And it's uh, both really similar and really different from Paperback. Uh, so, for people who don't know, I'm going to just describe pa- uh, Hardback, but I'm probably going to compare it a lot to Paperback as well, so it's not going to be super useful for a lot of people. But... I think it's important for people who have played Paperback. Uh, Hardback is a, a deck builder game where you're, you start with a deck of a handful of cards that are letters. They have letters on them. And you draw them and you use them to spell a word. And the word that you sp- all the letters you, you uh, spell the word with give you points. So they give you... In Paperback, they just give you money. And this one, they give you money or they give you a couple of other different things. Like, there's numerous things that you can actually do now. Um, which is kind of the main big difference. So, like, the, the core concept of it is, like, Paperback was that. It was, you do that, you get money, you use the money to buy either victory points or more cards to add into your discard pile, which then eventually gets shuffled into your deck, which makes your deck bigger, so you have more variety of letters to spell longer and better words with. And that's kind of like the main gist of the game. Hardback is similar but different in that it's got a lot more layers of complexity. I feel like the, the end result doesn't actually feel much more complex than Paperback did. But, like, on the face right. of it... So, like, instead of just having letter cards, um, all of the letter cards, um, they don't just have... They don't just give you money. Some of them also give you prestige points. And prestige points are basically victory points. That's what you get to win the game. 
instead of buying them. Some of your letters will give you them instead of giving you money, or as well as giving you money. Um, each letter also has a genre. So there's, I think, four. There's like adventure, horror, um, romance, and something else, I think. Uh, right. And the way that works is if you use multiple cards, like two or more of the cards that are in the same genre in a word, then you get an additional bonus, which will be on the bottom of the card. And usually it's like, oh, you get an extra coin, or you get, or not coin, you get an extra dollar, or you get an extra uh, prestige point. Or you get an inkwell, which is the other kind of main addition to this game. So in paperback, some of the cards you had, like starting cards and also uh, victory point cards, were wild cards. And wild cards didn't give you any bonus they just were there so that you could use your other letters to actually spell a word, basically. Yeah. So you were never stuck. So you could spell a word, and then you could be like, okay, well, I got... I spelt it with uh, five letters, but I only get four coins because one of those was a wild card. In hardback, every card can be a wild card. Oh, okay. So every letter, you can play it inverse, and that gives you uh, a wild card. And the same rules, you don't get any bonus for using wild cards. But these inkwells uh, give you an effect where if you have these little inkwell tokens, you can, when you're drawing your five cards to go into your hand, you can use an inkwell token to draw an additional card. And that additional card, instead of going into your hand, gets placed in front of you with inkwell token on it, and you have to use it in your word. Right. So it's this kind of risk reward where you're like, okay, well I can, you know, I can spell longer words if I have more letters, but then you draw it and it's like, well, you have to use this letter though. Uh huh. So there's other tokens you get as well, which are whiteout tokens, which are you know the tipex basically. You will use them to undo the ink token. And if you undo the ink token, you get to keep the card in your hand, um, but you don't have to use it if you don't want to. And there are rules right. that if you've got a if it's got a ink token on it, then you also can't play it as a wild card. Like you have to use the letter right, itself, okay. which I think is a really cool little risk reward thing to add to the game. Um, because before the way you would spell longer words was that some of your letters would say like once you used them, it would say like oh draw two additional cards next turn. Um, there's none of that this time. It's just the it is this risk reward system for doing it. Um, actually, kind of reminds me slightly of uh, remember that deck builder we played that I always forget the name of. That was the card builder. Oh, Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. So remember, Mystic Veil had that thing where, when one player is playing, everyone else is like drawing their cards and doing the risk reward thing of, uh, like drawing additional oh, yeah, cards yeah, they... before they go bust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similar idea because you're you while other players are playing you're doing this bit you're drawing your cards and you're playing your ink wells to figure out what letters you can be using or have right. to be using all right okay um and it, it is cool i quite like that part of it um other than that it's mostly like paperback like the genre stuff adds some differences to it the ink well stuff adds some differences to it but at the core like you're you know drawing cards and playing and making words out of them 
Um, all of the cards only have one letter on them. There's none of um, in paperback. You would have a few that had you know a couple of letters, so you could spell longer words again. Uh-huh, uh yeah. But it's nothing like that. They're all single letters now. All right. Okay. Um, which is still quite cool. It's a neat change. Um, they got rid of things like in paperback again. You had the common letters, which were the vowels. Yeah. And when you the goal was if you were first to write a word that had X number of uh, letters I, in it, so it was like 7, then 8, then 9. Yeah, you claimed that bonus as yeah, your own. You got to keep that card in your hand. That's gone. Um, you start with a handful of vowels now. Just right. in your deck to start with. Um, but there's a similar idea again where there's these... Uh, I forget what they call them. They're like... They're classics, I think is what they're called. They're like fancy big books, basically. And those are cards that when you play them, they get played... Like, all the artwork on them is uh, landscape instead of the portrait. So you play them sideways. And when you use them in a ward, they stay in front of you, even after that ward's gone. So every oh, turn, okay. you can play them afterwards. Um, I think, actually, every turn, you get the bonus from them, no matter what. Like, even if you don't use the letter, but you can use the letter as well. And then the other thing is other players can use your whatever classics you have in front of you as a letter as well. But when they use one, it goes away, it gets discarded. So you can use it to kind of... It's like the the most player interaction that is kind of in this game other than, you know, like the bounty system returns from paperback, stuff like that. But like there's no... It's where the kind of player interaction is introduced and this is where the little bit you can do is, well, that player has a an O in front of them that is giving them an extra two coins every single turn, so I'm going to spell a word that has an O in it to get rid of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, I really liked it. It's, um, I would say about as good as Paperback, if not oh, right, okay. better. It's hard to tell because I really like yes. Paperback a lot, and I've only played this once so far. Yeah, um, so it, it it wasn't as hard to, to get in as it looks. No, it's it's that thing where there's... It, on the face of it, it looks like there's a bunch of additional complexity. And it probably sounds like it is from me describing it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but actually, in the face of it, it's like there's only a couple of things different. Like, it's, it's, it's a different game, and it feels like a different game, but it has, like, the same kind of core mechanics. Right. Okay. And it's easy to pick up, uh, and like paperback, it does a good job of descri- of like being bright and colorful and explaining itself just through the artwork and the icons it uses. Okay. Right. So like once you know the basic rule of when I uh, have two cards of the same genre and a word, then I get this bonus. You can very instantly, obviously, tell from the cards because they have they're. They're all they all have like different fonts depending on the genre they're on, and they're all different colors depending on the genre they're on. That kind of stuff to make it very clear like this is an adventure book, this is a romance book, um, and it's yeah, it, it's cool. I'm, it's not as complex as it sounds. It's definitely a little bit more complex than paperback is though. Uh, and it, I might end up liking it more than paperback at the moment. It's hard to tell because I've only played it. Yeah. We've played like two games of it. Um, whereas we've played like, you know, dozens of games of paperback yes. at this point. Yeah. So 
time will tell but I am enjoying it so far and I'm looking forward to playing more of it uh, we okay. were also going to play the paperback expansion but I ended up not doing that uh, right I will say though there's enough space in the paperback box to fit the expansion in it yes which yeah, is which great. was quite cool yeah you just have to remove one of those foam things yeah uh, the spacers which I didn't realise which is cool so I did that that's the most I've done with paperback itself Oh, right. I... I've not even I've not taken my expansion out of the box. I did that, and I went through it to read what the different kind of expansions. I read the rules, uh, but I've not taken the cards out of the cellophane. Yeah. It's cool. I'm looking forward to trying those out. Like, it's the Tim Fowler is a smart man, as it turns out. Oh yeah. yes, <laughs> he makes smart games. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, hardback's really good. I recommend it. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it more than paperback. Still, this thing. I'm sure some point yeah. towards the end of the year I'll have figured out which one I prefer. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that says for uh, games that we've played this week. Is there much news? Have you got anything really? I've got a couple of things. Uh, we'll go through them kind of quickly because there's nothing cool. massive. Um, uh, one that's big-ish for me uh, the Little Witch Academia game, Chamber of Time, has a release date confirmed, finally, which is May 15th. Yes. Uh, this is the game that was uh, originally supposed to come out February 22nd, was announced as a February 22nd release date, then, you know, tw- February 22nd came, and Namco Bandai didn't mention the game's existence at all. And then, like, a month later, they're like, oh yeah, it's coming out in May, and it's like, they they even reference they never mentioned the fact that, like it's been delayed it's just been like a month later after yes. it's meant to come out by the way it is coming out eventually <laughs> um but yeah I'm gonna pick that one up it seems good that anime is good cool um what else we got here uh Hori the Japanese developer uh, not developer uh peripheral manufacturer Maker. yeah uh are making a Joy-Con for the Switch. Oh, which has they... a D-pad on it. Oh, okay. Instead of the four buttons. Ah. It looks quite nice. It's this kind of matte blue color. Uh, but then there's a downside of it. Or a few on, downsides then. of it. <clears throat> it doesn't have rumble. Right. It doesn't have gyro, which is fine because the right Joy-Con is the one that almost every game uses for gyro anyway. Right. It uh, doesn't have wireless support. So what's the point of this thing? It only works uh, when connected to the system. Well, that's weird. It is listed as a price. Uh, it's only coming in Japan so far. Um, it's listed for 2,480 yen, which is about $24. So it's pretty cheap. Which right. is a decent excuse for that, I guess. But it is, it is only usable in portable mode. Yeah. Handheld mode. Which. Eh. Don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that. It's. Strange. Yeah. It's probably not one I'll buy. I don't. I'm actually fine with using the buttons as a D pad. I think they work fine. I'm not playing super hardcore fighting games or something where I need a really good D pad. Yeah. Like for platformers and stuff, the buttons. I've found I've been fine at least. I've played uh-huh. through Celeste that way. But yeah. 
Um, it's an interesting idea. I, I look forward. It's the first time we've seen manufacturers making custom Joy-Cons. Uh-huh, yeah. Which I think is actually the bigger takeaway for me. Because right. I would like to see, you know, peripheral creators making more custom Joy-Cons. Yeah. Be a neat thing. Cool. Um, Nintendo announced that they're doing tournaments for uh, Splatoon 2 at E3, which they did last year and... I think they might have done the year before as well. Because um, the year before was when they announced Splatoon 2, I think. Uh, so they usually do that. Uh, but this year they're also doing a tournament for Super Smash Bros. for Switch. Oh, So yes. confirming that not just there will not just be gameplay of the game at E3, there will also be a playable a version of that yeah. game. Um, which will end the... I guess, did, did we end the podcast before Smash Bros.? Well, whatever. There was a Nintendo Direct when we recorded the last podcast, and yes, uh, we did. I think we. I think we ended it right at the end <laughs> for that. Yeah, um, I think we ended it just before it was announced. Yeah, so Nintendo announced last week. You probably heard already, uh, or two weeks ago now, um, that uh, Super Smash Bros. has come to Switch in a really yep. good trailer with like the Splatoon dudes spra- splatting each other with ink and. You know, swimming around, and it's like, oh, Smash Bros. logo is flaming in the sky. Um, there's been heated debate on the internet about whether it's a new game or not. Uh huh. I think I tend to lean on the side of it's a new game and not just a port of the Wii U game because, uh, they they probably would have said forced like Smash Bros. Force Switch at the end of the name, like they did for the 3DS and the Wii yes, U ones if yeah. it was that game. Yeah. Um, and also I don't think they would have. The main thing it tells it or suggests it for me is the trailer has like the big flaming Smash Bros logo with silhouettes of characters in front of it, uh, but it's a subset of the characters. Like it's not, it's not all the characters from the last Smash Bros game. Yeah, which kind of implies that they're going to do the thing where they announce characters for it. You know, between probably soon, uh, probably E three and release, where like they'll do every other week, they'll announce a character for it. Because that's what they did for the last couple of Smash Bros games. Yes, and you can't really do that when, you know, the game is the Wii U game because we know yeah. where all those characters are. Yeah, all the characters have already yeah. been announced. Unless they're adding a shit ton of characters to it, which I could see that. I'm I'm not really fussy either way to be honest. Like I, I would play that game no matter what. Um. But yeah, so there's gonna be, it's gonna be E3. Another thing that's gonna be E3 is uh, CD Projekt Red have confirmed that Cyberpunk 2077 are going is going to be at E3. Uh, they said they're going to announce the stuff that they're gonna show at E3 slightly before E3, so there'll probably be a new trailer or something like that. Hopefully gameplay um, before E3, but then it'll also show up there. Probably one of the big conferences, I'd imagine, because after The Witcher 3. I bet Microsoft and Sony are punching each other in the face going, no, I'm getting this one. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited for that one. What about you, Mike? you looking forward to Cyberpunk? Uh, yeah, I, why not? I mean, there's obviously not much to go on yet, but, you know, it's the Witcher 3 devs. They're making a sci-fi, you know, Cyberpunk game. Yes. And those are all things I like. I like the Witcher 3 devs. I like the cyberpunk kind of, you know, gritty neo-noir setting. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. Yeah, cool. Um, 
We had a bunch of indie game announcements for the Switch. So let's just run through them. Hyper Light Drifter's coming, which I'm looking forward to because I like that game but never finished it. I kind of always said I'd go back to it, but then was like, I'll wait for the Switch one. That's definitely going to come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark of the Ninja Remastered. Um, Mark of the Ninja was a game by Clay. It's like a 2D platformer where you're doing stealth shit. It's really yeah. good. Uh, Fantasy Fantasy. Oh god, it turned into uh, Sean Connery for a second. Sean Connery, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fantasy Strike is coming. Um, that's a terrible Sean Connery. <laughs> god. Um, which is uh, in the fighting game. And looks quite cool. It's quite pretty. Uh, Just Shapes and Beats. Which is some kind of rhythm game. Yes. It's, they describe it as musical bullet hell. Right, okay. I'm intrigued. It features music from 20 chiptune artists. Alright, okay. Should be good. Uh Garage, which is a game by Tiny Build, or published by Tiny Build, uh, which is a top-down, gory, dual-stick kind of shooter. Uh, it looks kind of Hotline Miami-ish, and then has a bunch of um, filters over it and stuff like that to make it look like a kind of VHS-era B-movie, kind of like a slasher movie thing, actually. You probably quite like the look of this one. Yeah. Um, I don't know, the game looks okay. Uh, it's. I feel worried when everyone tries to do the whole uh, the Hotline Miami thing because Hotline Miami only managed to do it well once so I don't trust anyone else to do it either um, Pool Panic which is an adult swim game which is a weird game where you play pool balls right it's, I don't know how to describe this one you have to watch the trailer to understand it it's bizarre um, Bomb Chicken which is a platformer where you play a chicken that can lay bombs instead of eggs and you solve puzzles. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one that you'll be excited for, uh, Luminous Remastered. Yes. HD yep. remake of the first Luminous game, the original, yeah. the PSP one, the one that everyone likes. So yes. Yeah. That's a I'm good up one. For that. Uh, I never really got into Luminous, but um, I get that that's everyone else likes because it. Because you're not right in the head. That's probably true. <laughs> um, one I am... <sighs> I'm kind of excited for it, but also I'm not going to actually buy it because I don't think it's as good a fit for this system. Uh, Reigns, Kings and Queens is coming, which is a port of Reigns and Reigns Her Majesty bundled into one. Um, which that, that'll that work fine on Switch, but I feel like the phone is really... The best. Yeah. And Unless they're actually going to rework it and add things. Uh, maybe they will, but I think for the most part it's just going to be swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know what? That game's great and more people should play it. So if you're not going to yes. play it on your phone, pick it up here because I really like both those games. Cool. Uh, Lightfall, which is a fast-paced platforming adventure which had really, really like overly like epic music for what is just like a kind of simple 2D platformer. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, but it looks alright. Uh, West of Loathing. This is another one I'm really excited for. Uh, I kind of skipped it on PC, partly because, again, I thought it would eventually come to Switch. Uh -huh. um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Kingdom of Loathing before? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Kingdom of Loathing is like a really old web-based uh, 
RPG, technically. Um, that it was just like it's basically just a series of jokes. Like it's a, one of the biggest series of jokes in the world, and it's really funny and actually also genuinely good game. Uh, and West of Loathing is a semi sequel, kind of more of a spin off because it's nowhere near as big as what kind of Loathing became. Um, but it's set in it's a western and it's got some like RPG turn based combat kind of stuff. But again, it's all silly. Um, you play as like a stick man and you go about and you get different you know things and do different side quests and yeah it seems really funny i'm look forward to picking that one up uh i mean like the easy thing to sell you should be that if you go into the options of that game there's a checkbox for silly walks if you turn it on then every time you walk you walk in a different silly way all right which is pretty good cool um pod which is some kind of uh norwegian uh co-op puzzle game inspired by Norwegian art and culture uh, it seems like one player plays as a kind of glowing sphere and one plays as a cube it looks interesting, like a nice little kind of co-op puzzle game uh, The Messenger which is one of the ones I was super excited for, I don't know, did you watch the trailer for The Messenger Mike? Uh, no I didn't oh shit, I need to send you this one then because this is one that where's the messaging thing on this new Skype here um, this it looks like um the old like Ninja Gaiden games or Shinobi games, right? Okay. So it's like an eight bit, uh, two D platformer where you play as a ninja and you're going about doing ninja platforming stuff and combat. Uh, but then the thing they announced in this trailer is that also you could travel through time into the future where everything's sixteen bit, and <laughs> it's really good. Um, so it looks like a really good like old school platformer. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, then the one that I'm most excited for, uh, which is called Bad Bad North, which is a roguelike uh, real-time strategy game where you're... Another, it's another real-time strategy game that's got kind of Norse inspirations. Um, and it's like a kind of real-time thing where you're making soldiers and kind of defending forts and taking over forts and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's got a really nice art style to it. It looks really good. I'm super looking forward to this one. Um, then there's also the Banner, Banner, Banner Saga 3, which is the third of the Banner Saga games, which I've never played any of, but keep meaning to because people keep saying, hey, they're like Fire Emblem. And I'm like, I like Fire Emblem. Um... The first two are going to come to Switch as well, but the third one is the one that's been announced here. So yeah, that was a bunch of stuff that we announced at their Nindies Direct. It was, it was good. I think there's a good amount of indie games coming to Switch. Right. Because remember, there's also a shitload of stuff that they they didn't even announce there that will be coming because that's what they do. Yes. Yeah. Um. Then. Sega announced that Yakuza Kiwami 2 is coming out in the West this August. Which right, is okay. the fastest localization time between a Yakuza game coming out in Japan and coming out in the West uh, yeah. ever. So it kind of goes to show that they're starting to take it a bit more seriously over here because I think Zero did really well. Uh, so yeah, it comes out in August. I'm going to buy that because it's going to be great. Uh, Sega had an event where they announced DLC for Sonic Mania and also a new Sonic Mania Plus edition which is like a 
physical version of the game that comes with this DLC in it. You could play as uh, Het Sonic characters that I'm sure you will recognize right away, Mike. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, go on. Your favorite uh, Mighty the Armadillo? Oh, yeah, 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 one of my favorites, yes. And Ray the Flying Squirrel. Of course, yeah. Every time I see him on screen, I go, who the fuck is that? Now, I'll give a bit of honesty here where I know who Mighty the Armadillo is because <laughs> I do like the Sonic games quite a lot. Like, well, the good ones. <laughs> after, <laughs> after they went 3D, I was like, man, these are garbage. And then Sonic Colors came out. I was like, maybe there's hope. And Sonic Generations came out. I was like, maybe there's still hope. <laughs> and then Sonic Forces came out. I was like, oh, there's no hope. And it's like, <laughs> Sonic Mania was really good, though. Um, but Mighty the Armadillo, I know, because he was in the Chaotix, Team Chaotix. They were in some shitty Sega CD game. But also, like, I read the comics as a kid, and he was in that. Um... I have no fucking idea who Ray the Flying Squirrel is. Like, who the fuck is Ray the Flying Squirrel? I, oh, uh, I don't ask me. I have, n- I don't have a clue. I'm googling it. His first appearance was in Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, which is an arcade game developed by Sega. It's an arcade ver. The only game he showed up in is an arcade version of Sonic. This is an isometric game. <laughs> that's right. a weird deep cut like there's a bunch of Sonic characters that aren't in that game already like it seems really weird they're like oh yeah Ray the Flying Squirrel that's the one we're gonna pick <laughs> not everyone's favourite Big the Cat yeah that um, is bizarre <laughs> bizarre um, but then the other thing that Sega announced which is my favourite announcement of this entire year whether or not the game ends up being good is another matter um, is they tease that they're making another Sonic uh, racing game. Oh, right, okay. Which was like... A, the teaser for it is like this like zoomed in, like almost like found footage horror looking fucking <laughs> footage of like a really realistic looking car. Right. <laughs> and then it cuts away and it's just like what is clearly, you know, the kind of standard Sonic emblem they use for most things like the kind of shield with the wings coming off the side um and then a word under it that's clearly racing but only the r lights up um and that's it that's the whole teaser which is mental uh we already know or it's already been rumored that the developers um oh, i forgot what their name are the guys that made the uh, sega all-star sonic and sega all-stars racing and all-stars racing transformed Right. Um, are apparently making this. Which, those games are fantastic. They are two of the best Mario Kart games around. So, I'm looking forward to this one. But it's also especially weird because the only light up they are, and they are in the same font as Sonic R, which is one, like, kind of a weird deep pull because I don't think anyone remembers that game now. But also, not. Sonic R wasn't a good game. It's a weird reference to be making announcing your new game, because you're going, oh yeah, remember this old bad game? We're making a new one. Not related, <laughs> not like referencing, you know, the last two really good racing games they made. Uh-huh. Like, reminding people of the really bad racing game they made. 
Which, to be fair, I played a lot of Sonic R and quite liked it. But it's a bad game. I liked it because I was a child. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last news story I've got here. Uh, some good news from Ubisoft, finally. So, we've not really talked about it much on here, but Ubisoft has basically been slowly being devoured by Vivendi. Like, Vivendi yes. has been buying up shares. Ubisoft came out, you know, like, at E3, at the end of their conferences. Um, I forget his name. Uh, the head of Ubisoft, whose name I can never pronounce. Yves, Yves Guillermo. Guillermo, right. I'll call him Guillermo. Um, he came out at the end of the last two E3s and, like, gave little speeches talking about like thank you guys for being with Ubisoft through all this time for buying our games and being our fans and stuff like that and it it very much both times sounded like Vivendi are, di- are buying us and we're all going to die so um, this might be the last <laughs> you see of us but thanks for supporting us so far um, Vivendi sold all their shares they cashed out oh okay Tencent bought a bunch of them though Tencent being the big Chinese conglomerate that owns the League of Legends developer Riot Games, they own a bunch of mon- uh, bunch in uh, Epic Games, that kind of stuff. Uh, so right. They bought... Oh, how much did they buy? I can't see in the story. Uh, they bought a bunch of shares, though. So, but then Ubisoft bought a bunch of their shares back themselves. Um, Gilmo's uh, personal company bought up a bunch of shares as well. So basically, Ubisoft is in control of their company again. There is no imminent threat of Vivendi doing a hostile takeover and taking over the company and running it into the ground as Vivendi is wont to do, which is good. Although I do think having this like fire lit under them is probably good for Ubisoft because if you look at the games Ubisoft have made since it seemed like a you know since it seemed like a imminent possibility that they might get bought over and they wanted to be making more money and bringing fans back in and stuff yes like you know they took a year off assassin's creed and made a good assassin's creed you know they made uh for honor which was a really weird you know risk of a game and i don't know what i guess it must have paid off for them because they're still supporting it and that's our thing they support their games for so long now like the division 2 just got announced last month but they right. they are also still updating division the division one, that came out like two years ago now. Good. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, that's all the news I've got here. But I thought we'd end on a happy note. Cool. Ubisoft's pretty good. Excellent. As far as big well, evil corporations. <laughs> yeah. Well, I looking at new releases, which is sometimes a happy thing. Um. So stuff coming out for weekending the thirtieth of March. We've got Far Cry 5 coming out on the 27th for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. That's a from game. Ubisoft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got uh, MX versus ATV All Out uh, coming on the same date as well. That's PS4, Xbox One, and PC as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, those that, games that are alright. Yeah, those games are just alright. Yeah, they're normally all right. Uh, and then we've got from Koei Tecmo, uh, Atelier... I can never pronounce these ones properly. Uh, <laughs> it's Atelier a shame Vigo because they announce and... a new one every other month. So. Yes, yeah. 
It's the Atelier games, uh, and it's the Alchemist and the Mysterious Paintings. Uh, so that's coming out for the Switch, the PS4, and the PC. All right. Okay, well, maybe the first one of these that's came out on the Switch. Yeah. And uh, it's another year, so that means we're getting another boxed version of Don't Starve. That makes sense. Yeah, so the Don't Starve Mega Pack is coming out this time on PS4 and Xbox One. They'll have, um, I think the last thing they added was they added multiplayer to the game. Yes, so that'll yeah. that'll probably be just the, hey, here's all the DLC, including the new multiplayer stuff. I say new, it came out middle, <laughs> like towards the end of last year or something. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, we've also got coming out on for the Switch uh, one of the best names for a video game, which is Penny Punching Princess. It's a really good name. <laughs> I keep looking at that on the like upcoming list of things on Switch, and yes. I don't really get what the game is, but it's such a good name. I I, I I'm just hoping that uh, you know it's it's a translation error. It was meant to be Penny Pinching. You know, it's about a princess who's no, strict. Strif- is this a pun? Because you punch things and you get money. Aww. It looks I, really I was hoping that it was penny pinching and they've misspelt it and it's about somebody that's trying to live frugally or something. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> I mean, if you want something like that, let me tell you about Northgard again. <laughs> uh... Um, coming out a, a VR game for the PS4 and the VR is Quar Infernal Machines. Quar. I'm not too sure what that is. Me neither. Yeah. Um, it. it seems to be a turn-based strategy game. Yeah. And uh, this one, uh, I'd actually forgotten this was coming out. Um, the Witch and the Hundred Year Night 2, or the Hundred Night 2. Uh, yeah, I uh, forgot that was coming out. I knew uh, Nino Kuni two was coming out, and then but forgotten that the Witch and the Hundred Knight was coming out. That's reasonable. One of those is worth remembering, and the other is a sequel to the Witch and the Hundred Knight. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's fair enough. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's it for new releases uh, for that time anyway, and then. Um, we're into April. Yeah, we're into Yak is a month. Yes. Uh, or God of War month. Eh. God of War looks good. I do want God of War, but Yak is definitely yeah. where I'm putting my money in that month. Yeah. We're into uh, Nintendo label month. <laughs> That's more tempting than God of War to me. Yeah, well, so I... I've got the label. It's a, I've got the pre-order reminder. It keeps coming up and things. What are you going to do? Are you going to go for label? Have you made up your mind yet? Or I don't think I'm going to get it because I don't it's think a lot so. Of money and I don't have children. So yes, it's a bunch of cardboard. Like, yeah, like I would appreciate it and find it fun. No, I about I have a room. Minutes. I have a room full of cardboard. You do, but not that type. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I. Yeah, it's just. I like the idea of it, but it wouldn't work for me. Yeah, that's fair. I I would enjoy it for like you know, the half hour twenty minutes that it takes to, you know, set it all up and play with it like once or twice. But I don't think I would uh-huh. actually stick with it and do, you know, anything. Yes. Else. Yeah. 
but it's a cool yeah. idea, and I think you know kids are going to love it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Excellent. So I think that's it. I don't think we have anything else to add, do we? Uh, no. no cool. No, I think the only thing to do is thank everyone for tuning and listening. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email with your comments, concerns, feedback, and all of that stuff to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can follow us on Twitter at glitchfreegame. You can find us on Facebook, search for glitchfreegaming. And finally, you can go to our shiny website at www.glitchfreegaming.com where Ben is always putting up some tasty little reviews and bits and bobs like that. So that's always worth checking out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts? Um, check out the YouTube channel. Not putting up new since the game of the year stuff, but yeah, uh, I'm working on some stuff. I want to try and make like a bit of a backlog of stuff and then put them up over the course of a few weeks. So cool. I'm working on that. Uh, but then also tune in for our 200th episode, which might be something special or might just be this again. <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out. Yep. So we'll uh, see you then with a big surprise, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) See ya. See ya.